Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte, and you're with Stan, Rowe, and Raph on the SGP Podcast. Woo! Are you ready? You're listening to the SGP Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP Podcast, where we are recording via phone call this week. It's not. Uh, I think the last time we did this was about a year ago or a couple of years ago with John Sebastian. John Sebastian, yeah. Haven't really done it since. So, uh, boys, say hello to the good people listening wherever they are. Hey guys, um, hope you like this episode because, uh, especially the ladies out there. Yes. yes. <laughs> Where's Camus? Camus, where, where the hell are you? <laughs> no, no the, for the ladies. Oh. Hope, hope they're not. Hope they're not sick and tired of listening to our voices yet. Yeah, I, I hope uh, not. I hope yeah. not. But if ever they are, uh, you know, we we do have a special guest joining us uh, due to insistent public demand and <laughs> due to our inavailability. And his inavailability when he was here in Manila, we finally arranged yeah. a group call with the Lady Killer from Grapple Max. So he's going to be jumping in on another phone call later on. But right now, uh, I, I have to ask, um, I, how, how are you guys feeling? Because it's been a semi-big week for us and for people we know because of the latest wrestling match that's been announced for Shake, Rassel, and Roll. <laughs> it's going to be a first. You and Camus, you and Camus, San and Camus, staring at each other at the opposite side of the ring. But we haven't really seen this since the early days of PWR, in which Camus would be the annoying ring announcer, and San would be the equally miffed employer. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm seeing the social media posts. People are calling it a test of loyalty. People are saying, uh, "Maliliguak na bang SGP podcast after this?" Among other things. Do they actually use the word liguak? Well, no, no, I, word no, no, no. I, I'm not sure if I saw the word liguak, but like for me, every time a rift comes in or it comes into the conversation, liguak's like the first term that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, for those who are in on the whole joke, it's gonna be a good meta match for everyone. But no, Cabos, it's a big match for you because you are going up against some real. Real veterans of the ring there, of the PWR ring there. People I have about, faced in boot camp. How do you feel about that? I'm particularly excited. I've been waiting for this to happen, you know, just to get at least stand within the, you know, within the scope of the sniper rifle. Scope of the sniper so rifle? So if anything happens, if anything, if anything happens to you, dude, like I'm already calling it, I'm sorry. Any dives to the outside that you just happen to be within the vicinity of, I'm sorry. And anything <laughs> else that should happen to you is not on, not on Rafael Camus, the podcaster, and your friend. Whoa, whoa, all right. That's <laughs> all on Grab oh Camus. That's all on Grab Camus. I, I didn't realize there was a separation of Grab and Raf. 
Meron ka naman, meron ka naman. Are, 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 are you even Raph on the show? Parang hindi naman ah. Parang gawa-gawa mo lang yun eh. Since when were you Raph on the SGP podcast? Uh, guests call me Raph. Do they? Really? Is that a thing that happens here? I think like only one or gone? two guests have ever called you Raph and not Camus. Well, it, it's it's all well and good. Um, I'm actually quite excited for this matchup just because, you know... For everyone who does know, oh, it's because I, I got brought in. I got brought in super late to this podcast. So, no, I with ano, I mean, thirty-three episodes timeline. in. Yeah, you were yeah, there so for year one. Year. I was a henchman for a while, so yeah, yeah. My, I actually, I actually have to have to make the parallel that I was a henchman on this podcast yeah, before true. I was an actual henchman in character. That, yeah, that actually makes sense. That's the first time I thought about it. That you brought it up. Yeah, that's actually not a bad point there. So I, I guess the parallelism kind of holds. So yeah, um, I guess that should be one more reason for you to go out and catch PWR Live, Shake, Rassle, and Roll on October 21 at 2 p.m. at Shaw 500 Events Pavilion along Shaw Boulevard. So there, we're really excited for that. Super, super excited. And for those of you who can be... So do we want to joke, start talking about Australia? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Let's talk about Australia. Uh, that's happening in a couple of days. We're recording this on Thursday night. Super Showdown is happening Saturday night. So, but normally when you say yung day, like let's say, oh, it's going to be on Saturday, people immediately think Sunday. But you know, this time around, it's different because Australia is only two hours ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's um, like uh, the Japan shows. Yes, pretty much. And when they say it's going to be airing 5 a.m. Eastern time, it's basically 5 p.m. Manila time because Eastern time in the States is only 12 hours ahead. So if you've got nothing better to do on Saturday or for one reason or another, you can't be at our friend Hub Pacheco's uh, photography exhibit on Saturday, uh-huh. then you might as well catch Super Showdown on the WWE Network. Maybe we will be catching the show while we are at Hub Pacheco's exhibit. That's maybe not. very antisocial of us. I'd rather not do that. Just I'd rather me. enjoy uh, no, our friend we Hub's were... photos in person first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, um, I was I was reading through uh, our other friend Joe the Grappler Marsalis's prediction column, and he does uh, he does go out of his way to say that Super Showdown could very well be a venue in which big things happen and change the status quo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we just? I just want to break kayfabe here because <laughs> you know I'm no longer I'm no longer under <laughs> under any other news outlet. So I just wanted to say that that's me. Have we not done this before? Parang hindi no, pa we have <gasps> done this. Probably done this on Twitter and maybe on. Obviously, our friends know, but you know, I'm finally just taking the time to say that that's me. And I would like to thank our good friend Ryan Sungulia for giving me the chance to start writing for Rappler and you know, giving them wrestling content every week. It's amazing so, that the gig is still there, yeah. actually. Yeah, I know. Despite him being gone from the site. So I'm thankful for the people at Rappler as well, for the editors at Rappler, the various editors who have taken this place. Who is their sports editor now, though? Uh, it's Jasmine Payo, from, formerly of Inquirer. I don't know if you know her. Yes, yeah, the name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Well, there so you go. She used to be with the Inquirer sports desk, and now she is uh, the Ryan Sungali of, of Rappler now. All right. So, okay, since since you were the one who came out with these big predictions, Ro, why don't you take the lead in running us uh, through the right. Okay, um, so I mentioned on the column that it's actually weird, the whole thing, because it's 
being positioned as a WrestleMania adjacent event with the Melbourne Cricket Ground, I believe. Yeah, the Melbourne Cricket Ground holding around seventy thousand people on in the in its capacity, and it's been downgraded to around sixty thousand. And you would think that they would be trying to get on or you know give us a show that kind of feels like WrestleMania when it comes to the booking, but you also notice that it's it feels a lot like a house show. Like, for example, uh, Triple H versus The Undertaker with HPK and Kane, it's it's a WrestleMania m- match for sure. I would say that that's a WrestleMania caliber match, but in 2018, with uh, two of these guys poss- possibly retired, Kane's already a mayor, HPK's a, uh, an agent down in NXT, Undertaker's pretty much on his very, very last legs. Triple H is part-timing. It's not that big of a draw as it is now. And then you got a match like Bobby Lashley and Cena versus Elias and Kevin Owens. It feels like uh, something you'd put on an house show, especially the ones with the Shield six-man tag match. And on the other hand, it also has some pretty, pretty big matches, especially on the SmackDown side, that kind of makes it feel like a regular pay-per-view. So it's weird that this is expected to try to bring in around, what, 60,000 to 70,000 people. And they're expecting, I guess, people from neighboring countries and regions, you know, from Singapore, maybe from uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, maybe us. Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. And, you know, trying to expect them to come over. But with this card, I don't think that's going to happen. You know what? I'm actually curious. Kung merong ang Pinoy who will be flying to to Melbourne just for this, uh, you know, uh, if if... <laughs> For whatever reason, you found your way there or you, you've bought a ticket to Super Showdown, please hit us up on social media yeah, at the Podcast. Uh, we just want to know what the experience is like, if you think that it was worth it, especially since flights to Australia aren't exactly cheap, even at the Cebu Pacific rate. So uh, well, do well, hit us well, up. Well, I'm Filipino in Australia, so if you're a Filipino in Australia, also please do hit us up. Uh, I'll, I'll check the stats on whether we have listeners from Australia or New Zealand now, but you know, if you are ever in those areas without having to fly there, please let us know. We'll talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get your what first What happened to our Australian correspondent? Uh, my cousin Brandon, my kayfabe cousin Brandon, oh, is based in Sydney. Yeah, that's like a different coast, right? Yeah, it's a long uh, ways away from Melbourne. That's 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 a long way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, you know, we'll get to talking about Japanese wrestling in a bit. But right now, again, in, in the interest of brevity, why don't we go through the matches along with concrete stakes uh, at hand? Concrete stakes at hand. Uh, well, okay, fine. The first match with concrete stakes at hand is uh, Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship. One of two matches with a hometown guy, uh, you know, Australian guy for the purposes of this show. So I think this is going to be a Murphy win finally. Mm-hmm. It's it, it could very well possibly be a Z, another Cedric Alexander defense, successful defense, but I think that it's gone on long enough and Buddy Murphy will take home the, the hometown win. Yeah, you know what? I actually have lost interest in 205 Live since SummerSlam, so I haven't really been following the show, but I, I, I think that's also partly because of the Alexander fatigue. And it... It kills me to say it because I love Cedric. It's just that Nasawa now has a title reign, kind of like with AJ Styles' reign. So I'm ready for a new cruiserweight champion at this point. Now the problem with uh, the problem with Cedric's reign is that they always 
they've they've treated it as a revolving door of challengers. So when one guy loses to him, in a, inevitably, there's nothing left for the other. I mean, there's no, there's not much plan left for him. Like now, uh, Drew Gulak lost him a couple of weeks ago, and now he's what feuding with Brian Kendrick. Spoiler alert on on Two Five Live, and that's a quite a step down from from feuding with Cedric Alexander over the championship for over the past couple of months. So when these guys get the momentum taken off them, it's it you kind of pin the blame on on Cedric. It's like Cena before when he would always beat the guy presented to him as the flavor of the month contender. Yeah, you, you end up hating him because he keeps winning. Iko Gamas, what do you uh-huh. think about this? Have you have you been following Two O Five Live? Yeah, I have the man. Um, I was gonna say Cedric's performances have been good, but you know. Storyline-wise, I think they need the refresh with Buddy Murphy. And this is the most, like, of all of the possible title changes that could happen, I think this is the most plausible one. So at the end of the day, if if Buddy Murphy does win this, I'd see no harm in it happening. All right. All right. Uh, what's what's next on the menu? Okay, next on the menu for matches with... Of uh, consequences. With, with, of, of consequence. Uh, at the SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't know. No, sorry, let's go with the SmackDown Tag Team Championship first. The New Day versus the Bar. I think we've we've uh, pontificated on this previously. I think the Bar will be winning this as uh, it. I mean, the New Day right now should just be uh, what you call this transitional champions after winning the titles from an injured Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, uh, same here. Yeah, I'm ready for. Fun. Yeah, I'm ready for a new feud. I, I want the good brothers to show up on TV again so they can feud with the bar. Yeah, I think I think yeah they will because uh, there's a lot more at stake if the bar takes home the championships, at you know and and you know ends up being the guys to beat of the division. Right, Camus. Mm. I was gonna say, you know, you know the only thing that's really making this interesting right now is the fact that the bar have new jerseys. Yeah, yeah. And that Dewey was in the segment. Hmm. So it's it's fun stuff like that that they can pull, but and the bar just need to take the titles off. I don't new day the new day shtick has gotten old. We don't need them to break up, but they don't need to be champion. Yen lang yun. Yeah, pretty much agree. All okay, right, next, next up uh, is the women's championship match of, of SmackDown. All right, really a uh, quick note here: if we're talking about matches of consequence, Raw does not have any titles on the line. Yeah, that's except right. for they the don't, cruiserweight championship, they don't. if you count the cruiserweight as if the cruiserweight division as part of Raw. I so mean, at this point, much... hindi na rin eh. only Leo yeah. Rush and Drake Maverick appear there anyway. Okay, so yeah, pretty much all the all the matches of consequence are from SmackDown. So Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, going by the segment that happened on SmackDown this week, I think Becky's retaining. Yeah, I'm pretty thankful for wrestling logic just because I still have no reason to cheer for Charlotte no matter how hard they try. Mm-hmm. And I get you road dog argument. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You pick a side. We just want you to pick a side. And clearly the WWE Universe has picked a side. It's more of the yeah. WWE doesn't want to pick their side. You know what I, you know what True. I mean? True. But, uh, yeah, yep. so that's uh, really frustrating. Uh, yep. Becky, Becky, Becky. Becky, okay. Next up, the number one contendership match for the WWE Championship. It's Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. And, okay, the, the result of this match for me is heavily tied to what happens later at the WWE Championship match. See, we might as well talk so, about both hand-in-hand. 
Yeah. Okay. So good. Uh, because I want Samoa Joe to win the championship match, and it's kind of time for him to win, especially after this this train wreck of a feud involving AJ Styles and the Styles family. Uh, I think Joe is gonna win, and Brian is naturally gonna go on to be his contender. So why would you have? Well, I, I mean, we could have AJ Styles versus The Miz. That would be fine, but I don't think that's where we're going. Yeah, I don't think unless, so either. Uh, I mean, un- unless The Miz wins the title, tapos sila ni Brian for the title at WrestleMania. When is that gonna be? Mm. So you're gonna waste another a couple, another couple for months that, just with AJ at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yun lang. I mean, like, I, I mean, they could they could uh, probably go the Gargano Champa route, but I don't trust the SmackDown team to be as uh, you know clever about it as NXT was. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, so mm, that's my pick, mm. Brian and Joe. But Brian and Joe won last time. Yeah. Daniel Brian and Joe won last time though. Like, and then, they, because they have had classics. No, you know, if if Brian and Joe win, we can still also get the possibility of Styles Brian and Joe in the triple threat. Ooh. Yeah, because if Joe wins here, Styles still has rematch. You know what? I I would and, add to that. Kaya tanggalin mo United States Championship from Nakamura. Put him in the four way. <laughs> I, I doubt that though. I, I don't think they can. I, I don't think That's they can asking a lot. That much talent and do it properly. Sigh. <laughs> All right. Okay, any uh, any other matches na no may uh, stakes? Uh, well, you want to talk about last time ever? Yeah, Which sure. Probably not be last time ever. Sure, Triple sure. H Undertaker. Last time ever in singles competition. Yeah, probably because you know it's gonna build up. I mean, the the whole interaction between Bald HBK and Kane is leading up to an eventual match, tag team match at WWE Crown Jewel, and rumored a rumored. HBK versus Undertaker rematch, also another last time ever thing at Survivor Series. How do you feel about that? Because I don't want it. I don't want it to happen at all. Yeah, uh, I think I would have popped for it kung HBK versus AJ Styles pa, pero Undertaker yeah, and right. HBK one last time. I'm not so hopeful about that, especially since it's been eight years. Kait na sabi si Shawn Michaels payan, that's still eight years away from the ring. And it was a conscious decision on Shawn Michaels' part to stay away for those eight years. So I'm not really confident in whatever they try to put out for Crown Jewel or Survivor Series. I think they have enough time to, if, if they want to go HBK versus AJ Styles. They got enough time to to detour to take that detour, so if you you know let's make let's make it known that this is what we want. Camus, is this something that excites you? I can get behind it. Like there's why? why? No, you. There are circumstances wherein it could work, but right now I'm not invested. Yun yun lang yun. I need a proper build up for that, which they haven't had yet. Okay, fine. All right, see so, okay, uh, Super Showdown has like, what, 10, 12 matches, right? 10, lang, 10. Okay, so it's not so bad. I, I just hope it doesn't take too long because obviously none of us are going to be watching it live and it, it, it'll be a drag to have to get through it on, on Sunday, right? Probably not. I hope yeah. so, too. Hmm. I'll, or I'll probably just skip ahead to you know, the matches of consequence because really, like, I don't really need to see the Shield against the Dogs of War. For me, it's just a match. Lang uh, speaking of that, I, I wish I wish that you know obviously they they went for the six man tag for the half show, but I wish they they broke up the the six man a little bit. You know, have Seth defend the championship against someone, anyone. 
maybe you know Dolph or Drew again or Braun even. I'd rather have them than have yeah. the tag champs defend against Dean and Dean and Roman, right? You know, to have it make to give us some match of consequence for Raw. Yeah, yun lang. Yun lang yung nakaka, yeah. nakaka frustrate. I mean, I guess they're so fixated on the whole, oh, let's reunite the Shield, let's put them in a six-man match. Now, they totally forgot that pretty much every male champion on Raw is in that match. Exactly. Yeah, so that was kind of yeah. dumb. Very short-sighted on their end. Okay, let's uh, switch gears here and talk about something that I know Kamas is super excited about, and that is the return of Pac to Dragon Gate Puroresu. Hey! Not like the most ideal place I envisioned him, but where him in. But if he's happy there, then I'm happy for him. Is Dragon Gate like his his real home? Is that really uh, where he um, first gained notoriety? Okay, let me let me run the. I I don't know myself, so let me run the the wiki search before Lance does. <laughs> it is it is actually where he spent most of his time, like while he was in Japan. Right, like he right. did end up in New Japan at some point, but majority yeah. of his time was in there. Yeah. Okay. So okay, okay. Uh, what are yeah, our yeah. thoughts on this? I mean, like, yeah, Ro, Ro did share his thoughts. Ako, um, I think it's been way too long since we last saw Park Neville, however you want to refer to him in the ring. But from that one clip I saw and from the promo he delivered, it looked like he regained that fire. And I think, uh, w- when you go through a career change like that, yung parang you just lost all the passion, all the fire. It you kind of need to have that, uh, that for lack of a better term, that fire lit under your ass just for it to be exciting for you again. So I think this is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as he's happy, and I think he's happy about the fact that he can go wherever the fuck he wants, especially that his uh, his release has no non-contract nonsense attached to it. Mm. So yeah. It actually works out so much better now given the landscape of independent oh, wrestling. As you can see, I have a new attitude. Yeah, what you're hearing is actually the clip. I'm not sure if it's Ro or Kamas oh. who attempted to play the clip. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that. It plays in the background, dude. Yeah, it, it totally plays <laughs> in the background. I'm a boss, eh? I'm like, I was going to say. Bad. My bad. I thought, I thought I was just hearing it. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it makes for a good third act yeah, for, yeah. for this man. Like, if yeah, keep talking. Neville, Pac Neville, it works out for him in the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, now right now, now, right now, given, you know, in a post-all-in world, now I, I love that we can use this. He has all the opportunity to go wherever he wants. Like, But I know that he actually just wanted to go back to Dragon Gate to sort of pay them back for, for booking him when no one else really did at the time. Okay, I'm the last person who can uh, who probably should be bringing this up as an analogy or whatever. But you remember yung, uh, the meta story of Marty Skrull heading into All In was that he's not good enough to be a heavyweight. I think Neville kind of has that meta storyline as well. And I think it would be nice to see him try to uh, come to grips with that or try to wrestle with that uh, in the indie scene, especially given this post-All In landscape. Well, if Tyler Bate can take on freaking Walter... I think Neville would stand a better chance because among all of the quote-unquote cruiserweights that are out there that are killing it on the independent circuit, he's more of a heavyweight than any of them ever really were. I doubt Dinaman that uh, that Pac is 
exclusively exclusive to Dragon Gate. So I think no, he. I don't think he is. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I think I, he'll be sorry. around wherever he wants to be. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. I, I think yung sa, uh, yung I, I guess with that comment lang is more of because he was relegated to 205 Live basically, diba? And he'd been he'd been seen as the linchpin of 205, but at the same time, hanggang 205, like, that was his his glass ceiling. So, uh, I know that he can basically go wherever he wants. I just hope na he'll continue to transcend yung weight limits that he that he faced when, you know, he was still under the WWE umbrella. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Alright, uh, so that pretty much tackles everything that, uh, that that was big, everything that's really worth talking about throughout this week and through the weekend. We're going to be talking to our special guest right now, all the way from Singapore, and uh, the reason why we're pretty much having this phone call right here is because all of us would really like to talk and get to know the lady killer from Grapple Max. Hey! What's up, guys? This is uh, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. And you're listening to the SGP Podcast. We have our guest on the line. We're actually recording this podcast in real time. And we haven't done anything like this in quite a bit. So let's bring on our guest. He wrestled at PWR Live Homefront. He took on Chris Panzer. They have a little bit of series going on. And right now, he's taken some time out of his, out of his day to join us on the SGP Podcast. Please welcome the Lady Killer. Hi, guys. Hey, Dennis. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Hi, Dennis. Happy to be here with you guys. Rebel Nation, how are you guys doing? Hey, you know what? We're happy that you also were able to squeeze us into your very busy schedule. You know, we re- I actually brought my podcast gear to the show because I was hoping we could get like 30 minutes <laughs> of your time, sit down and have a, have a recording. But then again, we all realize how busy it is uh, every time there's a show. And frankly, there really wasn't any space for us to record anyway. That's true. Yeah, that's fine. So okay, let's start off with uh, let's start off with the uh, customary. How are you? How how's it been since uh, you returned to Singapore after after Homefront? And um, what were your impressions of the Filipino audience after after the show? I, I think the Filipino audience are really forgiving and uh, welcoming people. Forgiving. Um, <laughs> no, I think a word I would use for, for the Filipino audience. <laughs> there's some there's some crowds that are really harsh. You know, you, you okay something. okay. Slip up, they're gonna they're gonna chant Botchamania, right? Oh well, well, you were not around for our much harsher crowds. Yeah, so uh, I can see it in this uh, in this show, and I thought, well, I think the fans respect the heart that the the performers have, and they're just there for their full support. You know, they're just there to give their full support. Did you have any expectations of the Filipino audience heading in? Like, I'm sure you've known uh, some of our guys, of course, uh, the likes of JDL and Chris Panzer. In in talking to them, did you have any expectations about uh, the Filipino people? I was uh, prepared mentally by by Za um, Panzer's girlfriend. Yeah, they could be pretty vocal. I think uh, every every wrestling crowd in general is kind of vocal to some extent, uh, mm-hmm. especially with. Uh, with a very Western wrestling influenced crowd like PWR. Yep. So, you know, maybe the Japanese crowds are a little bit more reserved, but when it comes to more Western style wrestling, the crowds really get into the chanting. They get into they, they get into the the whole emotion of, of, of wrestling, and I think uh, that's what I was expecting with PWR. I mean, I did some research, I watched some old videos, and yeah, you, know, you get you get a fun crowd, you get a lively crowd. I like that you went out of your way to research, so you really know you really knew what you were jumping into. So yeah. uh, let's start with your career and your wrestling journey. How did you become a wrestling fan, and when did this all begin for you? 
It's, it's, a, it's a story I've uh, repeated across many uh, mediums, many magazine interviews and all that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to repeat it because I think I'm just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's what everybody wants to, to know because when, I think the origin story for everybody is really important. So, so my story is that, uh, did, did you guys ever play the card game Raw Deal? Back in like, I have not, I have not. I've no, heard I've of not. it. I mean, like, I've seen it in stores, but yeah. I have not played Never it Never tried it. Yeah, okay, so before the age of smartphones, Right, teenagers they play with trading cards, <laughs> Pokemon cards, yeah. or cards, or whatever it is. But Yu-Gi-Oh! I still play Magic, so <laughs> what is? I don't give a I don't give a damn about the smartphone business. Yeah, so we don't have we didn't have smartphones then. We didn't have selfies. We didn't have fucking um, Pokemon Go. So we played card games. We played like <laughs> paper card games. Yep. The, the guy the guy who sat next to me in class when we were like fourteen or fifteen. One day he brought a, a deck called Right to Censor to the class. And he, he started showing me these cards and he said, hey, you know what? You need to buy your own deck and then we can play a game. So he walked me to the comics shop. He, he kind of marched me to the comics shop and said, you got to buy yourself a deck right now. <laughs> so I, okay, I, bought, I bought an NWO, Kevin, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall deck. And uh, I started playing with him. I had, no, I had no idea what wrestling was. Okay? I had not watched a single minute of programming in my life. I just got down okay. to I, guess I just got down to playing the, the, the card game and like I was throwing power bombs and like scoop slams and I thought this was pretty fascinating, whatever these these things are. So because of the card game I started tuning into T V to watch this thing in real time and to watch to watch live action wrestling. And I kinda of fell in love with it because it was it was still the tail end of the attitude era and like the beginning of the ruthless aggression era. Mm -hmm. so, I think things are pretty exciting. Like Brock Lesnar was like the next big thing, you know. Undertaker was in his biker face. The Rock was still in and out of Hollywood, so he was playing that heel persona. It was a pretty interesting time in wrestling. And then uh, I got on a playing PlayStation Two. I mean, I bought a PlayStation Two specifically for that fucking SmackDown game. Uh, <laughs> there is a good man. There is a good man. Only one fucking game that I bought was PS Two, and it was SmackDown. Just to play, here comes the pain, and like I think I was hooked ever since then. One of the best games ever, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So you ended up uh, playing Here Comes the Pain and, you know, getting into it through the tail end of the Ruthless Aggression era. Um, who specifically stood out to you? Um, who spe specifically stood out to me was uh, Scotty Too Hardy. I don't think that's a surprise. <laughs> he wasn't that useful in the game. <laughs> he was a pretty useless character, but he was like, he was a entertainment aspect of wrestling. I looked at it and like, okay, this is the style of wrestling I love to watch. So I started doing like that, that worm tribute in, in before my spear, always for this, just because of this guy. He really hooked me into this wrestling thing. Fun fact: When I was in Singapore, Dennis asked me if anyone in PWR did the worm. <laughs> I had to tell him yes. We had someone who did the worm. <laughs> the Uod. Yep. So, okay, Terrible. Scotty Tuhati stood out to you. Was it because of how cool he was? Was it because of uh, how funny he was? Or was it because of his his size? Uh, I think I think he was a, a size that... Uh, he was comparably smaller to the rest of the wrestlers. Um, he wrestled a very fun cruiserweight style. You know, he was part of Too Cool and, and that faction with Rikishi and uh, Grandmaster Sexy. Uh, that was relatable to me. So I think I think I enjoyed watching that. And for, I also, sorry, I also like, I'm sorry, uh, we weren't able to catch that last part. I also like uh, Dead Man Inc. Uh, Undertaker's biker persona. 
Oh, okay. My my dad. Taker, taker. Yeah, my my dad uh, wrote Harley Davidson's. So whenever. Oh, that's cool. He watched like the Undertaker come out on his entrance on his bike. He was like, okay, yeah, like, this is a guy I can get behind. And so like we we each had our own guy to watch. All right. Um, <laughs> so from your fandom, at what point did it uh, did it set in that wrestling is something you wanted to pursue, something you actually wanted to do for yourself? Um, it was something that kind of dropped by the wayside um, when I was in my 20s and then finally one day in, the, in my mid-20s I, I saw that I was wrestling in Singapore so I said okay I'm gonna go take a look and then uh, that's when I found like uh, SPW mm-hmm. and then we got we, we, I, started, I signed up for training and then the rest is yes we know it did you have any expectations about how pro wrestling training would be? I mean, you know, as a fan, I'm sure that your expectations would be different from the first day of training, from taking your first bump, hitting the ropes for the first time. So what were your expectations? Um, I was expecting to to uh, I was expecting it to be fun because, you know, you, you, you internalize all these moves and you internalize all this body language when you're a fan for, like, years. Uh, when you finally mm-hmm. get started, you're like, okay, I can, I can imagine what what goes on on TV and I just need to put it out there in my body right now. Obviously, some of the things don't translate so well um, immediately, you know, taking your first bump. I mean, I, I took like, I took like a month or two months or so to, to learn my first bump. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get the form so well and, and stuff. So, uh, how, how long until it took you to be comfortable? Uh, I would say a couple of weeks was 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 all it took to, for me to start getting used to the to the actions of wrestling mm-hmm. um, and then after training for about half a year that's when i first did my i mean i did my debut match in december 2014 all right so you've been in the business for uh the last 4 or 5 years and when you started, did you have a character that you had in mind? Or you know, you know how it is when you're a wrestling fan, you have this dream gimmick that you want to live out. Was it any different from the gimmick that you ended up uh, portraying when you first debuted and the gimmick that you have right now? Um, I think everyone, uh, everyone's first impression of the gimmick comes about in their create a wrestler, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, where I am right now in my create a wrestler probably look completely different. Um, where I am right now is a product of understanding the scene and understanding the marketing and, 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 and uh, audience psychology to know what they want to watch, right? The, 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 thing about, the thing about, let's say, sales, the thing about sales is you don't sell people what you want to sell. Sure. You sell people what they want to buy. Okay. So you, you, you give them a gimmick that they want to watch. You don't give them a, a gimmick that you are happy to become because then only you are going to be, you, you're going to be a self-mark, right? You, you give them a product that they want to watch, and then they can they can they can support you. So eventually, like learning learning like buyer psychology, learning like sales psychology, that that influenced the way I, I shaped my character. Hmm. But what did you want to be before? I mean, like okay, before you understood all that, or did you always understand that? Um, it was something that I picked up through my through my career and my day job. So when it when it came to finally, um. Being my real life create a wrestler, uh, <laughs> things are a lot more smooth. Okay. So what what is your day job? What what's your background? Uh, I'm background in finance. I currently trade Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. Ooh, which is on the downturn. Yeah. <laughs> great. Bear markets. It's bear true. markets, my man. Big bear. So you're literally yeah, a money I, guy. 
Sorry? You're literally a money guy. Um, I would like to believe that on myself. <laughs> I, I watch Dennis's stories and I never understand what he's talking about when he talks about the Bitcoin. So All you have to know is it's going to come back. That's all you got to do. I want to get into that. It's a uh, good really time. Quickly. I want to get into that really quickly. How, how did you even get into Bitcoin? And why Bitcoin? Um, I, I used to so I used to trade government bonds, and it's not the sexiest topic as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I started doing a digital marketing for for just 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 to try out what work in digital marketing is like. And we used to buy internet traffic to to view your ads with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, you can what? do that. Yes, you can. Sorry. No, no, I'm saying I didn't know you could do that. that. Yeah, so you, you could you could buy you could buy internet traffic with Bitcoin, and one day we realized that like, you know what our Bitcoin stash is growing faster than the business that is generated from the traffic that we were buying with Bitcoin, right? Um, okay. the, the pile of Bitcoin that we had was growing value faster than the business that was that we were that we were developing with the Bitcoin traffic. <laughs> so so we, you might as well go take a look more closely at Bitcoin, and this was when like uh, the bull market in 2017 was picking up, and then the bulls went crazy. And by December 2017, Bitcoin is trading at 20,000 piece. Wow. Okay. And now, now, now it's at like six and a half. So it's come a long way down. Um, but I believe in, in the long-term potential of this thing. I, I believe like in, within three to five years, we'll see like another new, time, new, new all-time high. Did you take up something uh, related to trading in college? Like, was that your major? I did accountancy. Uh, so that was my major. And I, I think that helps a lot in running the, the business at GrappleMax. Interesting. All right. So I want to talk about uh, your family background because, uh, yeah. you know, we, we all come from Asian families and Asian families traditionally don't really look uh, look uh, look at sports or athletics or even performance art as a viable career. Was that something yeah. that you also struggled with with your family? Uh, not, not so much for me. Um, so like I said, my, my, my dad was a wrestling fan, right? Uh, Ooh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's like the Undertaker guy. He, he is a wrestling fan. So when... By the time I did this, he was like, "Yeah, it's okay with it. It's cool with it. Like, uh, that's fine." My mom is a uh, my mom is self-employed and just an entrepreneur, so she also gets the idea of, of, of how freedom draws entrepreneurs and how freedom is, is, the, is the one big thing that entrepreneurs are, are going after. So she she fully supported this. Wow. So okay. You're actually one wow. of the few. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really fortunate. I would say that in that sense. Okay, so um, w- when you started training then uh, with SPW, uh, did you balance this with a day job? Or uh, at, at what point did you realize that, okay, you know what, I can really turn this into a lucrative career? It's, it is still not a lucrative career. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't call it that for anybody in the region, in, in fact. I don't think anyone's actually enjoying a lucrative career at this point. Even, so we all, all have day jobs, right? Yeah, even, even wrestlers in, in Japan, for example, they, they supplement their wrestling income with... Um, a side job at a bar, for example. So even those guys who are doing it full time, they're wrestling four or five matches a week. They are still working somewhere else to supplement their income. So at this level, I don't think it's fair to say anyone's really doing this as a lucrative um, career. No, I think that's not- a great way to like temper people's expectations, especially since uh, while the region is growing, the scene is growing. I think uh, there's still a lot of misaligned expectations from people. Yeah. Okay, uh, so how long were you with SPW until uh, you ended up going to Grapple Max? About a year and a half, maybe. About a year and a half, yeah. 
So what's the story behind that? Uh, yeah, I'm super curious about why you guys decided to break uh, away. So we are we are all still friends. There is no bad blood. I think I think uh, that might disappoint some people. Maybe maybe they're looking for something juicy or something. <laughs> I'm just curious, man. Everybody wants to. You chuck. can't blame them though. You can't blame them though. Yeah. So when when we split off to do this, people were like, "Oh, you know what? It's Monday Night Wars. It's 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 WCWF <laughs> and all that crap." Um, we we. Don't go out of our way to correct that too much. I mean, like the fans can think whatever they want. I mean, we're happy. Like controversy creates like a, uh, it creates like ticket sales, right? So exactly. Not... <laughs> uh, but what happened was that one day I was uh, uh, booked in a match with Greg Glorious. So we were opponents, right? We were opponents, and you know, as opponents, you always hanging out for coffee, chatting shit, talking about about ideas for your match, and and one thing always leads to another. So we discovered we had a. Um, an idea that was pretty similar, which was, you know, SPW's idea was to run shows. The business model was to run shows. But we decided, why don't we try and make it a lifestyle gym fitness program kind of thing, which was not really what SPW was going after. So we were like, okay, let, let's, let's create this new, carve out a new niche in the market for ourselves. And uh, let's see how that takes off, you know. And eventually it has gone the way it has. And we are also... Um, we're doing we're doing well. We're doing okay. We're surviving. SPW is is also doing pretty good in in, in their business uh, of running shows. So everyone's kind of like cut their own little slice of the the wrestling pie for themselves, and we're all trying to grow that individual share that we have learned for ourselves. Okay, I, I want to ask about that. You 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 guys, you and Greg, explained it to me when I when I was first training with you guys. But for those who aren't aware, and you know, for those who have only seen Grapple Max through photos and Wondered what's up with the uh, no with a with a mat and not a real ring. What what is what is Grapple Max and how is it different from SPW? So Grapple Max is a uh, it's a pro wrestling themed fitness and lifestyle gym, right? Right. It is not the other way around, which is a wrestling place first and foremost, where people go on to do training and train their fitness. People go and train and do. So ours is the other way around. We, we understand and we identify that we are ourselves first and foremost themed as pro wrestling, but we, we do our, our product is fitness and lifestyle. Right. In the other in the other company in SPW, it is wrestling first and foremost, and then you have uh, you offshoot into doing your shows. You, you get the difference. Yeah, but okay, okay, I got it. But what about your guys? You know, your new signups. What if they? Uh, see it as a way to, you know, become a wrestler and not necessarily become fit through wrestling. Um, that's also possible, but that we do have people who overlap in that segment of the market. Mm -hmm. But the the product that we are selling is a slice of the experience. So you, if you don't want, to, if you want to try and feel what it's like to be a wrestler, but don't want to go all the way with the uh, with the career, I think we are the best fit. Okay. How did you guys get the the advice and the blessing of Dick Togo? What's the story there? This is a story that Greg will explain better someday when he gets on your podcast. But I'm just summarize. <laughs> of course. Of course, uh, in true time, in true time. Uh, I'll summarize this for you. Um, yes, so please. One day Greg was like, okay, I'm done with working. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to finally embark on my wrestling journey and like fulfill my destiny of being like, Singapore's number one wrestler. Okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even making this shit up. Like this is his. This is his genesis. <laughs> so he said, uh, 
I'm going to go hunt down. Okay, so Greg is really a, a huge fan of Japanese wrestling, Japanese-style wrestling Indian. wrestler, right? Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. this, and Lick Togo is widely known or accepted to be one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, not just Japan, right? He's, he's done his tours in Mexico, he's done his tours in the US, he's done his tours in the UK, he's done his tours in Japan. So he's got a reputation, and if you're going to learn like pro wrestling, right, you're going to learn that from the best. And so, so Greg hunted down Dick Togo and said, where in the world is Dick Togo? Let me go find him. And Dick <laughs> at a point in time, was living in Vietnam. He was trying to start up a, a small uh, wrestling, wrestling promotion over there. New Vietnam. Yes. So Greg hunted him down, looked for him, trained with him for a few months. And then when Dick Togo went back to Japan, Greg also went back to Japan to train for another few months. So that's, that's uh, how... And, and so Dick Togo saw like, oh, right, this, this Singaporean is, a, is quite serious about wrestling. Um, let me devote a little bit more attention and let me give him a listening ear to what he has to say. And that's when we gave mm-hmm. him a pitch and said, how about you become, how about you come on board as a head advisor with our company? And uh, let's make this Japanese team wrestling dojo in Singapore like the number one place for, for outside of Japan to, to learn this thing. And that's where we are. Okay. So how's it been training under Dick Togo and learning from his uh, from his experiences? It's he's uh, he focuses very very much on the technical aspect of wrestling. So the way the way Japanese people approach wrestling is that this is not just some fake WWE drama soap opera bullshit, right? Yeah. The way Japanese okay. it, the way Japanese people look at it is they 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 view it as a competitive sport. They view it as an athletic contest, right? So okay, yeah. So, when, so you know what like whenever they do the chain wrestling and like finally after they separate after two minutes of intense chain wrestling, it's very polite and and, and, and appreciative applause from the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is it. Uh, they they are appreciating the the art and the, the finesse behind chain wrestling. So this is what Dick Togo's contribution to our syllabus was. It was to to give us that technical side and technical education on how to to do um, wrestling as as uh, as a Japanese style pro wrestler. All right. Uh, so so far in uh, in the last couple of years since you've had Dick Togo as your head trainer, what's the biggest uh, the biggest piece of advice that he shared with everyone uh, at Grapple Max? It's um, I think to answer this question, we, we, let, let's think about what Grapple Max is. It's uh, it's I know I know I've, I've described it to be a, a pro wrestling themed lifestyle gym. Right? Yeah. Yeah. From my coach perspective, from from my co-founder perspective, when I take a step back and actually look at what I've created, what I've created is a place where people go to learn life skills, where people people go to learn soft skills, contextualized in wrestling. So when 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 Dick Togo came down, actually, actually like uh, no, I love the idea of soft skills. Hearing the lingo, like I understand Grapple Max a lot better now than I did than I did coming in because. When people actually implement soft skills training alongside the actual technical aspect of it, it's like, oh, this is a lot more serious than yeah. than I originally figured. So, so like, uh, so for example, right? Just, just, just to, to sidetrack even further. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We had a feedback session with our guys once. I said, like, guys, um, as as an ongoing effort to to deliver more of the product that you're seeking, tell me what it is. What's the value that you've seen in your training so far with us? So nobody. Not a single soul says, oh, I learned how to do a Canadian destroyer. Not a single soul says, I learned how to do a moonsault. 
what everyone said, what everyone said was, I came here and I discovered a side of myself where I know leadership. Another guy says, I've learned how to overcome stage fright. Another guy says, I've overcome depression. Another guy says, weight loss is, is all in the mind. And like, so these, these are things that you look and like, oh my God, I want, I want to cry right now, right? I'm, I'm no longer teaching you how to do snap mass. These guys are overcoming their own personal hurdles through the context of wrestling. It yeah, you're sounds right. like a wrestling MBA. Oh. Like, honestly, sounds like a wrestling MBA to me. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't do this. Uh, we don't do these uh, focus group discussions because we don't actually ever think of it that way. We only ever think of the wrestling, I guess, mostly because maybe we, maybe we have a different market. We have a different audience of who we cater to and who we get as recruits. But you're right. Uh, these things definitely are important and they actually are tangible results. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe this is a little heavier than you expected when we were coming to this conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but... No, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, this is like a... so. I, this is like our our real people, real stories kind of angle uh, when we come when we approach wrestling from this perspective. You know, no, this honestly, is the TED talk. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. no different from the TED talk that Eurasian Dragon gave us when he talked about yeah, yeah. wrestling <laughs> and his philosophy and how he likened it to masturbation. So it's really no different. <laughs> this is the this is the perspective that people who have gone a little bit further than the business have than people who have just started in the business. Because yeah. you realize, like, I learned so much more than just how to get on a mat and bump, like, like a, and do these little, little moves, you know? So how does that tie into Dick Togo and uh, the, the biggest insight you guys have gained yeah. from him? So back to Dick Togo, he was saying, like, guys, all you have to do is think of what your dream is and then go for it. You're given the tools here, you're given the skills here, you're given the coaches, you're given the, the syllabus, it will take you as far as you want to go. And, and that is the biggest takeaway that I think our, our guys have, you know, so which is why we are going to do a show in Japan in November later this year. It's because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. you believe in a dream, you can see the dream, and we all work towards it together. All right. Now, okay. So jealous of the Japan trip. <laughs> Actually, yes. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Lady Killer as a character. Where did that yep. come from, and why, why Lady Killer? I mean, it's a badass name. <laughs> I'm 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 glad you think so. Thanks for thinking so. It's, as uh, long as he's not a killer of ladies. Yes, literally. Oh, okay, no, he's not literal. Uh, although I disagree with some of them, but um, uh, the, the 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 name came about like so. So you know, the, the best nicknames are not the ones you give yourself. They're the, the ones that other people give you, right? Yep. And that I just happened to have a stroke of luck where somebody dropped this name on me, and I thought I thought okay, well. I could use that. Was it from a stroke of self-awareness where, yeah, you know what? I know I'm good looking. I know that ladies always look in my direction and do a double take. <laughs> that, that is, uh, outside, outside of my, my stage persona, I'm an introvert. I'm actually extremely, uh, uh, I would avoid crowds if I could, I'll avoid parties if I could. So this is, this is uh, me switching personalities at, at the drop of the hat. Wow. But then again, it, it's not that surprising anymore. I mean, having having listened to stories of other wrestlers, you know, it, it's not uncommon anymore to find wrestlers who are really introverted outside of the ring. So, yeah. where did you find this persona, this character of uh, this 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 badass guy who um, who is really handsome, but at the same time can really lay the smack down? <laughs> I, had a, I had a few sporting backgrounds. Um, I did aikido. Mm-hmm. Um, I did gymnastics when I was in high school. 
and then I, I train a little bit of boxing before I found wrestling. So mix all that together, and you get a you get a pretty decent athlete. Yeah, I was gonna say the Aikido shows after like after the stuff you pulled. I was like, oh, so that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting judo. I was expecting judo. Well, that, 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 is, that was judo. Um, that you're, you're right on that. That to identify that as judo. Uh, judo was just something that you you don't you don't find it too much of a stretch to to learn after you yeah. got Japanese martial art background. And of course, the boxing explains the robe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, I was a big Rocky fan. Ah, all right. There you go. Ah, okay. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we were talking uh, right after Homefront, and I was asking you where you get that fire, and you told me it comes from you being a career babyface. So uh, how is it like working as a career babyface, and can you tell me uh, about the struggles of being a career babyface? Um, the struggles of being a babyface, well, you have to work a heck of a lot harder to get a baby face reaction than a heel reaction, in my opinion. Yep. Um, true. Some people may, may disagree, I don't know. But in, in my no, opinion, it's really true. Yeah. Uh, so being a baby face, I mean, it, 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 it's a product of being relatable to your audience. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the reason why Stone Cold, for example, can be, can be such a, a prick but still be an over baby face is because he's relatable to the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason why The Miz is a great heel, but at the same time, if he was to turn babyface any day, you know he's going to get a huge like pop, right? It's because he's relatable. So I, I was I was uh, trying to replicate that re- relatability to my audience back then by being the, the the guy who works hard. You know, you work hard, you're out to achieve, you don't slack off. These are these are traits people want to get behind. These are traits people want to, to believe in. And and eventually, you do win them over with, with enough heart and your work rate. Yeah, but being a heel, on the other hand, mm-hmm. being a heel, you you have a you have a classic heel playbook that you can go to anytime, right? Yep. Break the arm, go for a low blow, distract the ref. Like everybody knows the heel tactics. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's up to you to to pull one from the playbook and, and, and go for go with it. So I think I think being a heel is a, a lot easier than being a babyface. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Indeed. So um, I, I've got a question about uh, about. Uh, relating to the fans and connecting with them because in the example of say a Chris Panzer um, he's universally liked but I do recall a time when the guys would boo him just because he looked so much better than them was that ever something that happened to you as someone who looks relatively better than I I don't know 80% of the guys at a wrestling show wow (laughs) (laughs) it's a valid question you had to to quantify it though (laughs) where's the lie Camus Dennis, I'm sure there is no lie. So, like, uh, you know, how, how did that ever happen? You did you ever get booed just because you looked better than the guys in the in the crowd? Uh, if if you were if you were all high and mighty and look I'm better than you and like, uh, yeah, you are definitely gonna get that reaction. But when you are when I when I started as a baby face, I was also a jobber. So ah. laugh at yourself, right? Take stupid bumps. You live with a clown. People can people can identify with that. You you're not you're not afraid to laugh at yourself. You have that you have that humility to not not be not be like let's say um, early era triple H, right? That that, that that whole pedigree gimmick. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you are able to, to lower yourself in that sense, uh, people can people can support you. Alright, that makes sense. Eventually, eventually you build up enough of a babyface brand, um, as your as your status grows, people people are still willing to, to support you. Another thing that really struck uh, struck me during our conversation after the show was how 
uh, I, I asked you about you coming into this show as a heel because you're a foreigner and yet you're still a babyface. Like you didn't necessarily uh, start do resorting to the heel playbook. You still maintain the essential parts of your character. So can you just yeah. share with everyone listening right now uh, your your philosophy about maintaining that babyface character or that hero character depending on the point of view of who's watching? Uh, this is this is a great question. I think this is a this is a question that if you are a literature student, you would understand at, at once. If you are a classic like theater student, which I'm not, which I'm not, right? I'm just I'm just saying like this are, this is storytelling basics. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say let's say let's use an analogy. Let's say let's say Thanos, right? Thanos in in, in the in the Avengers movie. Yep. A heel is perceived as a heel, or a bad guy is perceived as a bad guy by people who support the good guys. Correct? Okay. But a heel is, is, is a good guy in his own story if his motivations are reasonable. And Thanos had, had, had full belief in his own motivations as, as a, that makes him not realize that he's being evil. Okay. So I think when, when it came to setting a psychology for this match, uh, I was... Very, I had to be very careful about it because I, I do not want to be a heel. I always want to make sure, like, in, in my opinion, like, wrestling is meant, in, in my opinion, my product for wrestling is to inspire people. So I don't ever want to be a heel. I don't want to play, play dirty. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. It's, it's just not my personal preference. Mm-hmm. So when, when I did that promo with promo video with Penzer, for example, I stated my yeah. motivation very clearly. Um, I'm not sure if you watched it, but I stated my motivation very clearly. I'm here to prove my company is the best. I'm not here to say like uh, you all suck. I don't disrespect you guys, <laughs> but I, I believe in my motivations, which is to prove that my company is better, and I came to fight for that. So I, I came fighting for honor. I'm just a default bad guy because Chris Panzer is the, the local babyface. That's true, but it doesn't make you a bad guy. Yes, but in, in, in someone's story, I can be the bad guy, right? If you, if yeah. You, I mean, like you guys know, like the the old Karate Karate Kid movie. Yes. Yeah. Tony LaRusso and like the, like the, the blonde kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, blonde, the, the, the Cobra Kai guys, they, they, they were viewed as the bad guys in that movie. I'm not sure if you watch, uh, much later on, there was a, a, a reshoot of that, that movie, like the later years of, of The Karate Kid, where Daniel LaRusso was now cast as in, in, the, in the perspective of the bad guy, and the Cobra Kai guy was like the good guy. So like, it depends on which perspective you want to view the story from. Like you, in someone's story, you're going to be the bad guy. In your own story, you are the good guy. So at, at, at what point did you come to these realizations? Because uh, you said it yourself. It's not something or it's not a nuance that everyone will understand at once, let alone every performer will understand at once. So when did you come to the real, realization that it all depends on the point of view? Like, uh, who are you catering to? It, it, it came to, because I, I do believe that we, like Greg and Glorious and I, for example, we do believe that we have to maintain our babyface uh, alignment in Singapore because... If you are if you're a coach, right, you mm-hmm. you generally cannot be an asshole because it's not good for business. Yes. Right? You, your students want to be able to look up to you. Um, the people your 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 business collaborations want to be able to say that this is yes, this is our partners, these are the partners that we have. They want to know that you are a baby face. They want to know that you're still fighting a good fight. And that's when I realized that this early on, Greg Dolores and I realized that we we cannot go too deep into heel territory whenever we, we wrestle we still have to maintain that we are babyface because the people over here are still watching our product <laughs> and they want to get behind a product where the guys are likable it, it's just it's just better it's just better business sense all right 
let's loosen up a bit here, and uh, I, I want to ask about uh, the misadventures you may have gotten yourself in because of pro wrestling. Because I'm sure every wrestler has their their story about their misadventures. So what's the what's the shittiest misadventure you found yourself in as a pro wrestler? Um, it's not it's not a shitty misadventure, but I think it was a milestone for me. It's uh, so I was doing a at one point in time I was I was doing the hardcore. Uh, scene in Malaysia, mm-hmm. um, and that, that, there was one match. With, it was a triple threat uh, hardcore match. So this was for the Malaysia Extreme Division title back in uh, 2016. So oh. you know, you know how wrestling no longer, or at least at least like more of the mainstream wrestling, they move away from blading and they move away from 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 uh, color on, on screen, right? Yes. Yep. So we're like, okay, it was a hardcore match, but we are gonna be nice and safe. The kids in attendance, we don't want to be. And that's when uh, I actually bled because whatever you talk about and not want to happen will happen, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, there was a spot where I was going to get hit by a trash can. And, you know, when you when you use a trash can as a weapon, you use the flat side that crumples easily, right? Yep. But instead, my opponent swung the, 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 the trash can and I thought, okay, I'm just going to take it head on like a, like a man and like just get that, that nice um, impact from my skull. But instead, he, he swung with the rim of the the trash can. Ouch. Oh, God. The rim of the trash can, the base, the base rim of the trash can is, is you know, it, it's, like, it's like a cookie cutter. Right? It just goes chomp right on your skull and then like the, I felt my, my face started getting wet. <laughs> and then I looked, oh. I looked down on the ground after, after bumping and selling and like those three red dots that just popped out of nowhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So that's not sweat. Um, I raised my hand to my forehead and I dabbed it and I'm like, oh my God, I got a crimson mask now. Uh-huh. And that was like the first one quarter of the match. So we had to go through the rest of the match. Um, and, and, the, and some of the kids were like, oh my God, is this real? Is, is, it, is it paint? <laughs> <laughs> is this a blood pack? <laughs> Do we have a budget for a blood pack? <laughs> so there's some confusion around the audience. And unfortunately, uh, it was real blood. But it, it, we still finished the match. It was still, it was still a great match. Uh, just... It's, it's just one of the funny things that happen that you don't plan for. Is that up online anywhere? Is that a what? Is that match up online anywhere? Uh, there's snippets here and there, I guess. If you find, if you Google uh, Malaysia Extreme Division, you probably might see it. Okay, we'll find something. Yeah, we'll do our homework on that. <laughs> okay, as we wind down here, uh, I want to ask you about the biggest piece of advice you'd tell yourself, if you could write a letter to your younger self back when you were starting out or uh, when you were just thinking about getting into pro wrestling, what's the one piece of advice you wish you already knew at the time? Um, I would say, okay, well, I was, I was, one of my career goals is to write a book um, and I want to detail like the, the wrestling scene in the region. I, I don't think anyone has filled that wrestling historian uh, Southeast Asia wrestling historian role yet, and I would love to do that. So that might be like something of an autobiography, of fictionalized, based on a true story autobiography that I'll write someday. But if I was to 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 do a one takeaway lesson right now, it would be that um, you know it's 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 there is merit in everyone's perspective. Mm-hmm. There is no no one that is absolutely wrong, and there's no one that's absolutely right. It is up to you to to 
decide what works best for you. What, what piece of advice works best for you? No, no one's advice, right? No one's advice is completely without value. And if you can have an open mind to, to approach a business, approach like mentors, or approach the people who have done this for a little bit longer than you, even the guys who are newer than you, they offer a different perspective. And like, uh, being receptive to this feedback, the feedback is extremely important for improvement. Right? Talking to fans, for example, talking to fans, the reason why I socialize with fans is because they give you direct feedback. They give you the most direct, most valuable, valuable That's right. performance. And you, when, you, when you perform a show, some people do their spots for the guys at the back to pop. That's not true. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't do that, right? You should be doing you should be doing your sports or you should be doing your performance for the people who paid money to see you, and that is the fans. So that the, their 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 feedback is extremely valuable. All right. Um. Uh, there was something that you said earlier that also uh that that spoke to me, and that was that that you feel no one has taken up the role of being a historian about the Southeast Asian wrestling scene. So just so you know, there will always be a spot for you on the Smart Henry Singapore office. If, <laughs> if ever you'd like to uh, start up the yeah. Singapore Bureau, there's always going to be you a spot waiting for you. You and Kenneth, for sure. Well, what kind of, what kind of uh, product are you looking to deliver? <laughs> well, you know well, what? Writing. We, yeah, uh, writing it. Yeah, you anything know, comprehensive. No, no, no. Uh, no, you guys mentioned, remember when I, when I first came to Singapore and trained with you guys, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of your people, a lot of your trainees mentioned or thanked me for the writing we do. Yeah. And, I think that's something sorely missing for uh, the Singapore scene, I think. Yes, I agree with you. Um, we don't have that kind of engagement uh, yep. or, or self-starting initiative among our, our circles. Uh, I'm not sure why that's the case. Uh, we do we do definitely have very passionate wrestling fans, but right. it's, not, it's not something that's caught on. So it, it's, it's a good idea. Whatever you just suggested is a good idea. Yeah, if ever you want to write a guest column and talk about the history of the scene, just let us know, and there will always be a, a blog post at least waiting for you. Yeah, we, we, we already. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, no, no. Uh, we used to contract JDL, Jake DeLeon, to to talk about his feelings in character. So if you ever want like an outlet to do that, uh, we also asked Kenneth to to do some stuff, but he hasn't really gotten around to it. So if you want any outlet to to express yourself as as either in in character or out of character, do feel free to hit us up. You you give me you give me a, a subject and I'll give you an article by the end of next week. Wow, ah, he's so, fast. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Writing is a hobby for me, so I would actually do that. Awesome. All right, let, let's uh, continue this conversation off the air. Uh, right, right now, though, uh, what are your career goals and what, uh, what type of match do you really want to have in, say, the next year or two? I would, um, what I, what I want to do is uh, continue elevating the wrestling scene in Singapore. Like whenever, whenever our guys manage to go from, um, from, from training at our dojo to finally entering the the regional scene that really makes me happy and that really makes me really proud. Like you know, like the, these guys have put in the effort, put in the work, and now they are they've earned their spot on the on the on the circuit. I like that a lot. So that is one of my goals to continue exporting our guys, and it's one of the plans that I had when I came to PWR. I wanna I wanna make sure like our guys get in on the scene here as well in Manila. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I guess as we uh, are about to close the interview, if any of our listeners will ever find themselves in Singapore, where can they catch Grapple Max and where can they catch you next? They can catch uh, We do our, our shows internally. Um, just just follow us on Facebook uh, at, at Grapple Max. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. This 
this will find you you find all the details for our shows there, like whether it's a monthly showcase, whether it's an external show in a restaurant, whether it's a crossover <laughs> show in a bar, whether it's whether it's a show in an office. Uh, we always put our details up there, so just we're we're like a we're like a touring performance. Just just find us wherever we are. And uh, where can we follow you on social media? At ladykiller.sg, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, the, Instagram is my choice. All right. Okay. All right, there you go. Now you know. If you want to slide into Lady Killer's DMs, Instagram is his preferred social media. <laughs> All right, uh, Dennis, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. We really appreciate it. We love the insights that you shared, and I think it's a nice little change, change of pace from the type of conversations we normally have on the show. Uh, it's intense, um, but that, that, that's just me. <laughs> See you soon, brother. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed myself. Thanks again to the Lady Killer for stopping by the SGP podcast. Uh, that was one more stimulating conversation. These Singaporeans, they're really good at being stimulating. Yeah. Yeah. What? what? Well, Excuse me? No, they're very good at stimulating our brains when it comes okay. to wrestling talk. I'm just saying. They're very good at it. I, I enjoyed okay, these I, conversations yeah, very yeah. much. I, I, yeah, I wish we could get Greg on eventually if he ever comes by the country. Or, uh, you know, we could go to him. Uh, yeah, we can all go to him. Sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah. All right, now that we've come to the end of the podcast, we'll give you our picks of the week. So I'll let Kama start first because I know he's really excited about this one. <laughs> I'm I'm raring, man. I'm raring. So my pick this week is actually... Um, it's the moment with Elias and Kevin Owens where they absolutely shit on Seattle for letting go of the Sonics. The... the, I, the... The crowd reaction felt kind of pipe. Like when you realize that they sustain a whole boo for like five minutes. Well, that's Seattle, man. Like if you've seen, Seattle sports fans are still fucking salty about this one. Eleven years and, later. And, yeah. And you know what? For me, for me, it was just it. It means that heel heat is still alive, even if it's cheap. It's still alive. And it was it was I, the cheapest of heat there, and it went a long way. That that yeah, that block went it a long just kept way. going. Yeah, I know. It just kept going, and it was so good. It's like I was watching it. I was watching. Um, I was watching it after after the airing, not live. So, I was I was like, oh, this seems interesting, and I was just like, oh, wait, check watch. That's that's about a minute. My that favorite just part. Going. My favorite part was when Ko had to shout and oh. talk over the booing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to, get, just to get his next line out. Because it was so good. It was like, you know these guys had had bars for days and then they dropped this one. And it's like, oh, oh, fuck, we went too far. No, no, yeah. I, I don't think they, they were like, oh, we went too far. But I feel like... It's not they went too far in terms of sensitive topics. It's just, I didn't think... There's that oh shit moment in their eyes when they look at each other and it's like, um, what did we just do? No, no, feeling... no they knew what they did. Yeah, it they was knew what they more did. of a look now. Okay, we got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. them and we are made right now. I think the coolang na lang is if they trotted out Clay Bennett, the owner of the OKC Thunder. Yun na lang coolang eh. If they trotted oh. him out, it would have been like, uh, they would have pelted stones and batteries and shit. So, But that was good. That was a great moment. I loved it. Love it. All right, uh, I'll I'll stick to Raw and I'll pick Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. I thought it was a fun match. It's always a safe pick, right? Uh, I, I know na. Um, it, uh, the end game is still the six man for Super Showdown, but it was a fun little TV uh, TV match between Seth and Drew. Yeah, yeah it's right. hard to bet against him nowadays, no? Oh yeah, Seth, yeah, yeah. 
pretty much. Uh, pretty much every Seth match is an instant pick of the week candidate. My pick, I, I wish I could say that I finished watching this, ep- this week's episode of 205 Live because there is a great TJP uh, versus Lindsay Dorado main event waiting for me. But I have not yet, so I'm going to stick right now with uh, Shelton Benjamin versus Dinah Bryan because it's been a moment, you know, that it's one of those matchups that you kind of always want to see when you heard that uh, Benjamin was coming to SmackDown and Brian was coming back for retirement. And then it was ultimately a vehicle for, for Miz and Brian's story to advance, but it's something that you still want to see more of after seeing this. Right. They need they need a longer version of this one to happen, yeah. like in yeah. the next in the next month. And I like the fact how they the like I like the fact that they built on one the fact that Shelton wasn't being used on TV for a while after Gable went to Raw, and then two they set up a they set up the story with a tweet and tied it in real nicely with how with what with what's going on SmackDown right now. So that's an example of how agile the SmackDown creative team is, even though they only still have two hours of programming every week. And that that's uh, reason number 429, why SmackDown is better Smackdown, than Raw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of episode number 237 of the SGP podcast. Wow. 237 wow. episodes, jeez. Wow, uh, 237. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, pretty much halfway through year five at this point. Thank you so much to everybody who has subscribed via Spotify or uh, hey. iTunes or anywhere else you've been getting your podcasts. Uh, yeah, hello, new subscribers and listeners from Singapore, which are mostly definitely coming after this or during this episode. Mm-hmm. Hello to all of you. Really appreciate it. Uh, please keep subscribing and keep uh, giving us comments. Uh, leave the feedback wherever you can. If you want to do it via social media, it's at the SGP Podcast for the show. For the three of us, it's at Rose War, at Caveman Camus, and at underscore Stan C. So right before we uh, ended the conversation with uh, the Lady Killer, he asked us who's on for next week. And truth be told, we have no idea ourselves. But as we always do, we'll come up with an episode and uh, we'll see who comes on the show by next week. So on behalf of the Lady Killer, who we are thanking once again very much, and on behalf of Romaran and Raf Gamas, my name is Stan C, and I have a fantasy draft to attend to right now. <laughs> we are out of here. Peace. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Hey, this is for all my chest stealing, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, driven son of a guns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 